Tosha. I'm sorry if I mispronounced the last name. How do you say it? Uh, say it one more time. Uh, Plotoshin. It's Ukrainian. It's all good. My name is Lindsay, and I stand in truth. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You claim you're committed to creating an environment where all children can succeed, all feel welcome, and all are valued. All children? Except, of course, when it comes down to defending biological realities? Except girls who feel unsafe and uncomfortable in the locker rooms with boys present? Your agenda's wording frames people who stand in the truth of material reality as hate speech, bigotry, or phobic of any kind. Hate speech nowadays is considered calling anything in our reality for what it truly is. We do not live in la-la land where anyone can be anything. This is reality we are defending here. Your agenda talks about growing numbers of groups seeking to divide our community and incite hatred. I think I smell projection. You are actively participating in div div uh, excuse me, dividing the community with your sneaky policies, hiding the truth of what you're really doing with words like diversity. You, <clears throat> you claim to celebrate diversity, but diversity is so far outside of the realms of what is ethical and moral. Do you include the pornography books in your inclusivity checklist? Brainwashing the youth into thinking they are born into the wrong body and that going against what you are born with as trendy and cool is not progressive. If anyone thinks they are something when they are seconds. not, they deceive themselves. The way of the wicked leads to destruction. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. We will not be overcome by evil, but we will overcome evil with good. Thank you. Thank you. there. This is Lindsay, your host of Live Through a Distorted Lens. Thank you so much for joining. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you for joining today and listening to my podcast. Uh, let me recap here because uh, I uploaded the podcast last week before I went to the school board meeting, which is always on a Thursday. I don't know if I'm going to be able to squeeze those in before the Friday podcast from here on out the first time I did because I was late with that podcast anyway. So I can't believe it's already been a month, but, uh, you know, this time around, I'm like, Lordy, I'm bringing a jug of water, like a gallon. Uh, I brought dinner. I brought snacks. I brought a phone charger. I brought like a butt cushiony pillow thing. That's for hunters, apparently. Got from Walmart. And yeah, so, you know, they did the usual thing. And there are two women on the board that don't wear a mask, are pretty conservative, and just, you know, speak the truth. And it's great to witness them and I've seen one of them at this, a couple of uh, Republican Austin Republican meetings she was apparently on the Bannon report uh, interview show recently and of course that was a hot topic that was brought up repeatedly during the uh, school board meeting like somehow just because she went on that show therefore she does not care about children and the school or they try to frame it as she did it because she's selfish, or I honestly, I don't even know, because if you watch it, like these fools never do, um, she just is speaking the truth about what's going on in the school board, and now I think she's being sued. There's just, the whole Round Rock ISD is a whole entire hot mess of itself, which is so many things. Um, 
so there was a moment where they were supposed to go to deliberate in the back room with that, uh, God, I forgot her name. Let me pause for a second. Danielle Weston. Um, they're supposed to go deliberate in the back room privately. I think I forgot to say that. Uh, and Danielle uh, requested to talk it over, whatever the agenda thing was or what they were addressing her with out in the public in front of us, you know, the audience and people that are there to speak their mind about the community. And they actually agreed to. And <laughs> it was this whole deliberation about how Danielle Weston forwarded some emails or BCC'd some emails that the trustees were a part of and they were all butthurt being like, you know, you just shouldn't be doing that. And she literally Danielle had to bring her uh, attorney up there to go sit with, you know, next to her as they basically grilled into her. And this little whiny bitch of a man who never has anything like logical or applicable to what they're talking about or even remotely nice to say every time he turns his mic on. He just has pure hatred in his heart. I mean, it's it's wild to watch these people just pretty much like fume with uh, anger and hatred. Not Danielle, but these, let's see, I think there's seven of them. So two of them are, are not demons. It's <laughs> the best way I can put it. Uh, yeah, that do- Dr. Jun Zhao fell asleep last time, literally. I'm like, he's just so disrespectful in so many ways. Anyway, yeah, they're just whining about her BCCing. And there was a moment when Danielle was just like, because it was just dragging. They dragged this on, on and on and on. And she was like, listen, I'm a child of God. And the right side of the room, uh, if you know where I'm sitting, you're sitting in the audience, and you look to your right, or you sit on the left side, is these, you know, trans, masked, vaccinated uh, a-holes. And they just started cackling. Just because she said she's a child of God, which if you don't know, that means you believe in Jesus and you're a Christian and whatnot. And Danielle did this great thing where she paused to really point out that they were finding that uh, as a moment to start laughing because they do record these uh, meetings. And if you want to tune in on them, they're, I think, the third or fourth Thursday of every month. You can go to roundrockisd.org to go watch live. And I don't know, I just thought it was uh, not surprising that these people would just find that humorous in any way shape or form there was multiple moments where these you know trans colored hair people just would laugh inappropriately and like we were clapping for someone that you know i think it was public comment time and we would clap or i don't remember what it was and uh this one guy was like this isn't a football game like stop clapping like what as if they don't clap for whatever or anything they support Apparently, which I wasn't a part of it then because I wasn't even living here yet, they were so bothered by clapping. They started doing this thing where I'll, the best I can explain it is, is like you raise your hands and you do spirit fingers, like shake them back and forth, like hallelujah, kind of like a thing. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like I understand clapping can be distracting, but anywho, um, they didn't drag it out as long as time. Thank God in heaven. You know, I really didn't feel like going either just because looking at the agenda and I'll read from it, there's, you know, multiple agenda things. Let's see, you know, this is action item uh, M6 out of, uh, I'm not sure which ones a public can speak on. I think all of them, but there's, oh, you know, this is, uh, these meetings are very long and you basically talk about, I don't know, approval of board minutes, approval of Westwood High School. High School Turf Replacement Project, approval to cast vote for election of Travis Central, appraisal district board of direct. I mean, you know, all this stuff that half of it, I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? 
So, um, let me read from it. This is the M, what did I say? M6. I'm going to try to cringe. Round Rock Independent School District. Resolution condemning actions that divide our community and incite hatred. Whereas, the United States has a rich history of immigration from nations all over the world, creating diverse communities throughout the country, including the Round Rock Independent School District and... I don't know why it's worded like this. It's just this like legality thing where every sentence starts with whereas and it's capitalized. Anyway, whereas as a board of as a board of trustees, we recognize and celebrate the diversity in our community and believe diverse cultural perspectives can inspire creativity, drive innovation and stamp out <laughs> stamp out discrimination and whereas as a board of trustees, we recognize and acknowledge that our community and state have historically struggled with issues of race, equality and prejudice. And whereas Round Rock ISD is a richly diverse community with more than 90 languages spoken in our schools, and whereas in Round Rock ISD, we are committed to creating an environment where all children can succeed, all feel welcome, and all are valued, and whereas, it's not so weird, but anyway, we recognize there is much work to be done in securing social justice for all, And whereas recently there has arisen in the United States a growing number of groups and individuals who threaten our democracy by seeking to divide our community and incite hatred. Now you see where I pulled this ridiculous wording and information from, from my speech that I did that I'm going to put at the beginning of the podcast that you probably already heard, because anyway. And whereas the Round Rock ISD Board of Trustees rejects and condemns all such groups and individuals whose ideologies are based on hate, violence, divisiveness, and intolerance, and whereas the Round Rock ISD Board of Trustees wishes to reaffirm its commitment to the well-being and safety of Black, Indigenous, Latinx, Jewish, Muslim, Arab, Asian American, Pacific Islander, and LGBTQI, oh my god, that's a typo, (laughs) communities and stands against hate speech and acts that target them. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the Board of Trustees of the Round Rock Independent School District that any groups and individuals who promote hate, violence, discord, and tolerance and are, are rejected and condemned, it will not interfere with the Board of Trustees' efforts to address, engage, and lead a district on issues related to, related to diversity, equal, excuse me, equity, and inclusion, and to promote a deeper shared understanding of our community. Resolved the 16th day of December 2021. Oh, jeezy, Pete. What's so funny about that second to last paragraph is that they talk about, you know, reaffirmed its commitment to the well-being and safety of, and they list off all these groups, and not a single white person is included in that group. I mean, you know, a normal person. I'm not saying that blacks or anyone else is not normal, but I mean by, uh, you know, a lot of people are just white and don't identify with uh, Jewish, Muslim, LGBT, you know, indigenous uh, so on and so forth. So I'm like, they're literally leaving out a group of people, which is alarming. And I, it is directly divisiveness in it in and of itself. I'm basically repeating what I said, but what I really do recommend you guys to go and do is listen to the other people that spoke at the public, you know, hearing thing, which is what I did because the truth speakers and freedom fighters were really on fire this time. And I was, it was an, uh, astounding to listen to people and their feelings. And definitely this M6 was a hot topic where a lot of people brought it up, including myself. And there was this Asian woman that spoke a really beautiful thing and she started crying and, um, you know, just how much she loves America and she's an immigrant and so on and so forth. So, you know, as soon as I spoke my thing, I was pretty much just like, I'm out of here because it was late anyway. And just, you know, I like to sleep at a reasonable hour as well. 
uh, you know, as much as I like really didn't want to go, I was just tired. And like, as I was saying, the, just reading this, uh, draft of the resolution condemning actions, a divider community inside hatred, this shit gets so exhausting. And this is one of the reasons why I definitely had to step away from researching and reporting on it because it was just draining my soul. And it is one of those things that it's nice to just not read up on this stuff and be kind of stay informed really, because I mean, there's so much crap going on in the world and especially with the access of the internet, the ability to read, uh, you know, and be plugged into things that are going on all across the world and not just in your local community can be obviously really overwhelming. And it's hard for me not to pay attention to what's going on in UK, Ireland, um, you know, everywhere. It's just, it's impossible for me to disengage. So I definitely, it's important to disengage and go take a hike in nature, which I did this morning with my neighbors, which was awesome and just wonderful. Really cold. And last night we actually went on a uh, bike jingle party where we dressed up in Santa stuff and had uh, Christmas lights and we biked around at night to see other people's beautiful homes decorated. And there's this whole like block of 10 houses that someone's clearly a woodworker and they had like the, uh, I must have the nightmare before Christmas, the night before Christmas, uh, you know, went all through the house, not a creature was turning, not even a mouse. They had that on like five different plaques of wood and it was just really cute. Like uh, the amount of effort these people go through to decorate their home. And this woman had, woman had a, uh, ballerina on her front lawn that was all lit up like from head to toe, like completely made out of lights. And I'm like, and there's people hanging out in their, that front, uh, driveway, like, drinking wine and being at a fire. And I was like, did you make, like, you could just tell seeing stuff that people's lawn ornaments where you're like, I've never seen that in a store. Um, and I was like, did you make the, when did y'all make that? And she was like, the guy was like, yeah, my wife did this Asian woman. And I was like, that is incredible. She also made this rat King out of a chicken wire, which was also incredible. And I just love seeing creative stuff like that. Obviously me being a creative person. And I'm like, I told my husband, I was like, dude, we got to get, we got to use our cosplay skills and start cracking with um, I was going to say Halloween, but I'm, I'm not really sure if I want to decorate for Halloween anymore. Like, why would I want to do that? So we spent last weekend in Fredericksburg. And if you're ever in Texas, I cannot recommend any more than what I'm saying right now to visit Fredericksburg. We visited, I heard it's beautiful in Christmas time and boy, was it just, it's so scenic. It's like a movie, uh, Christmas lights and just like Western stuff. And, uh, the whole town is a German sister city. So I'm like, German, not that, you know, Germans now are like going full Nazi, but did not see that coming. <laughs> I'm sure you heard that joke, but, um, you know, I do think there's a certain part of cultural Germany that is beautiful. And especially at Christmas time, the different countries, how they celebrate Christmas is always beautiful to me um, and their practices. And, you know, I love me some German beer. So uh, very awesome, awesome, awesome. Go ch check it out. Even if it's not during Christmas, I definitely recommend that town. We, we had a blast. Oh, so what I was saying about that is that there was this Amish store and I was like, what? So basically it's like jars of jellies and then they had the, you know, other, just other various food stuff, um, you know, stuff to help your like foot ache and just, you know, randomness from, um, at home, like from scratch items that isn't big pharma related. And I just, I love seeing that obviously. And then they have this whole other separate showroom of furniture that you can literally order that the Amish have made. And I mean, it, it varies from like dining room tables to full kitchen, or excuse me, uh, bedroom sets. 
with beautiful quilted uh, quilts that are just gorgeous. Um, you know, quilting is a very time-consuming thing, and these things are beautiful and accurately priced. A quilt for a bed is like $1,000. And, you know, we walked around, and there's just seats, and the quality is insane. Like, we would open the drawers, and it was all smooth. If you're, if you're adulting at any time in your life, <laughs> when you get there, if you've already been through it, you, maybe you know a thing or two about furniture and how you like how certain furniture has a certain feel to it when you open a drawer, for example. So if you open a drawer and it's like rickety or crappy, I don't know if you've heard of a place called At Home, by the way. I've never heard of it until I bought something from Goodwill that said At Home. I thought it was a Target brand, but it's not. It's just this whole store named At Home. And I thought it was going to be like the quality of Marshalls. So I checked it out with my husband and uh, I couldn't believe how shitty the quality of their furniture was and is. I I definitely recommend never going there and buying anything there. It's it's obvious this place is like for staging homes, <clears throat> like photos for online or, you know, you walking through and looking at it and getting a certain vibe or aesthetic. But wow, we opened a couple of drawers and it's like, and just made out of like crap, not even like real, I don't know what the hell their wood is made out of. It's dog shit. Like you can see the floor models, no matter what it is, are like dinged up and scratched. I understand some scratches and dings because it's a floor model, but... This stuff was garbage. So it's, again, called at home. Don't go there. So uh, tangent there. But, you know, we might consider getting some furniture items there because I'm like, wow, what a better feeling than not supporting, like, big chain stores and supporting the literal Amish. So I left and I'm like, oh, my God, can we become Amish, please? To my husband. I mean, that's, like, to me, heaven. And, I mean, sign me up. So they had these pamphlets there that... I'm like, yes, I want, to see, I want to learn about the Amish, and I don't really honestly know much about them. Um, I think they do believe in Jesus and Christ, so that's great and cool. So this one I'm going to read from is called Multimedia in the Christian Home, and I found it to be awesome. There's, I got like 10 of these little pamphlets that are all different. I'm just going to start reading. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly and shutteth his, his eyes from, uh, from seeing evil... He shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. His water shall be sure. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. Isaiah 33, 15-17. What are you seeing, evil or the king in his beauty? Television continues to be impure and violent, and now the internet is, with all of its trappings of pornography and every perverted imagination of men's evil hearts. People today are being bombarded by a strong satanic enemy in the form of video and audio and entertainment. This formidable foe comes coupled with business programs, research tools, parts catalogs, travel planners, and other useful communication mediums. Every Christian home that succumbs to pressures to accept multimedia intrusions will become a battlefield for the souls of its children. No parents can afford not to safeguard themselves and their sons and daughters from this menace. Parents have tried for decades to convince themselves that they can control television using usage by setting strict controls such as limiting programs and viewing times. The evidence is now in, and in the long run, it does not work. If parents provide the instrument, children can provide the initiative and imagination to dupe the parents. And I'm going to jut in here and say I absolutely did that. We had AOL online, and my parents installed a time limit where it could only be on for like an hour, uh, maybe at certain hours a day, like in the evening when I come home from school. And I absolutely found a way to log into the main account and change that. Like, children will always find a way around your, you know, quote, safeguarding. 
Um, in most cases, I'm I continue. In most cases, children will find the ways and means to view what they want exactly. Many parents have awakened to this fact too late, realizing that they should have safeguarded their homes at a higher level. Parents should not allow the instrument in the first place. What about the danger to parents? What about the fact that children often know what is evil, and yet they hear their parents justify it and keep it? When parents justify what the children and they know is evil, they do something tragic to their own and their and their children's consciences. One standard argument is that children will somehow be stunted in their social and scholastic development if they are not allowed access to the available information highways. In Bible-based home settings, this has proven untrue. Children develop reading comprehension and communication skills unequaled by those who spend their time viewing what is available on the screens. We make a serious mistake when we rob our children of the disciplines of personal study and mind-expanding research without multimedia. A good book is much better for wholesome development of the mind and character. Add to this the need for solid spiritual values which God implanted in us in spite of what the evolutionists would have us believe. to believe. Those created in the image of God can by faith reach the full potential of his purpose for us. A true virtual experience is when people who believe the word of God, the Bible, find every question answered and their search satisfied in Christ. The values of truth are not found in electronic media, but in the book of God. You and your children must read and study the Bible. You must desire to understand the truth before you will seek it. If the emptiness of a life without God sends you on a search for solid foundations to build your life on, ask God to show you truth and give you an appetite for truth. Here's a quote from the Bible. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 6.33. Trying to flip the page one-handed. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Matthew 7.7. Seek not for truth in an environment that largely resists truth. Jeremiah 10.2. I like that. Uh, uh, it says, actually, I don't know if that was a Bible quote, but I still like that. No, it's not. Uh, this is a Bible quote, though, here. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, as found in Ephesians 5.11, which is one, one of my favorites, by the way. Uh, it's The Bible I have says, uh, have nothing to do with the fruitlessness excuse me, the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Do, do, do. We should conclude from this that it would be a shame to view, write, sing, imitate, glorify, or have anything at all to with what God says is evil, which is why I'm going to put in here and say, I don't know if I want to celebrate Halloween stuff. Like, I mean, the pumpkin, I don't know, you know, I just, it's, it's weird because we've become so far separated from these traditions that have been created and i've even heard of certain tradition uh, tradition christian traditions that are apparently pagan like the christmas tree and the holly and just other stuff when you actually look it up and it's like like i totally get that and um i don't know it's like knowing too much is obviously a bummer <laughs> and it kind of messes with your mind about what what do you want to choose to believe and continue to do with your life and carry out and you know because if if you're decorating your whole house for halloween and it looks dark, like what kind of energy are you actually putting out? Like I had this great friend who is a fashion designer and she's very, very, very talented. Um, but I've spoken to her and I'm like, listen, and she believes in, you know, God and Jesus and the Bible and her stuff is, you know, maybe it's because I have a more, uh, um, spiritual discernment and I'm closer to God than I have ever been where I'm able to look at her work now and be like, it is really dark and to me demonic. And I know that, you know, Satan wasn't like a true 
angel of darkness. He's like an angel of light and was a be- one of the most beautiful angels ever to be seen. Um, in fact, I think uh, music emanates or, you know, comes off of Satan. He's very deceptive in that way. But this is a tangent. But I had to tell her recently because I was like, I'm saying this out of love. I don't know how to tell you this, but I think you need to reassess your walk with God and look at the work that you're churning out. Like, you know, it's kind of hard for me to word it, but she definitely got the point and she didn't, she wasn't offended and she was really thankful that I reached out and spoke to her about that. And I don't know. Anyway, just like be aware of, I don't know what you're wearing. And this is stuff that I, if my mom would have told me this, I'm like, shut up, mom, you don't wear my mom. Oh, okay. Like too Christianly or just like Bible thumpery, like judging, just being like, oh, you don't know. I want to have fun. And now that I'm older and closer to God, I could totally understand where she was coming from. Um, you know, anyway, let me just keep reading. These truths add a serious dimension to the viewing of violent and impure programs via electronic media. Can Christians just sit back and expect their children to sort through the garbage can and find something of value? Certainly you would agree that parents are responsible. They will be held accountable by God for what they allow. Generally, the media of today exalt unrighteous themes. Repeatedly, scenes appear involving obscenity, nudity, profanity, and others that are that more subtly destroy Christian values. Why would parents who are concerned about the drug scene, for instance, allow their children to view programs where the seriousness of such life-altering, health-threatening habits is belittled? Some people hate it when teenage violence is associated with electronic games or media, but reason makes it clear that what children or youth imbibe they will become. Everyone is a product of his or her environment. The argument, of course, is that electronic media is necessary for businesses to operate efficiently. Actually, many businesses do well without the internet. Even if businesses do suffer, we nonetheless gain and gain if we protect our own soul and the souls of our children. God blesses those who are serious enough about him that they honor him in everything they do. The psalmist recounts how the children of Israel did not destroy the nations that the Lord had commanded them to destroy. What happened? They were were mingled among the heathen and learned their works, and they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood. Psalm 106, 35-38. This same progression is happening with multimedia programming. Uh, Mingled, learned, served, sacrificed. Will we also shed the innocent blood of our children? God forbid. For every Christian home to succeed, all evil influences must be avoided. We must take our accountability seriously. We must be examples of godly cross-bearing and discipline. We must cry out against the destruction of the home by showing the world that the entertainment craze is a mark of the last times. Let us immerse ourselves in the word of God. By believing, by obeying, and by teaching the wonderful truth of salvation through Christ, we lift up a standard that will bring God's blessings and power upon us, that our children may be saved from this corrupt generation. Excuse me. Eliminate the ungodly influences in your home. Television and radio and now the web have lied to you and have succeeded, excuse me, seduced you long enough. The Apostle Paul made the challenge clear through the divine inspiration. Quote, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16. So that was one of the little pamphlets and I found out to be phenomenal and fantastic and had so much truth to it and I love it. <laughs> so this pamphlet, the next one's called Christian Attire. Um, I'm going to skip over some of it because it's a longer one. And this, this chapter is called The Body and Attire. Um, let's see. The sense most involved is sight. Jesus warned about committing the sin of adultery by looking, Matthew 5.28. Looking at each other, we see either the body or the clothing that covers it. 
Both the one who looks and the one who is seen should be instructed by God's revelation and directed by his will. The one who looks to be pure in thought and the one who is seen to cover the body with apparel, modest in color and design. So I'm going to butt in here and say, I will say parts of this is like, um, you can look at it as being really strict. You know, obviously the Amish where, oh, I forgot what it's called. Oh, it's in here actually. It is called, I'm almost there. Uh, Anabaptist clothes, and I honestly had no idea that's what it's called. The you know the Amish women wear like the long dress that covers their sleeves and goes down to the their, their ankles, and then the men I, I don't remember what the men wear. It's you know just very plain, nothing exciting clothing. So, um, but if you I don't know, just think of it that like they eliminate like worldly desires and any distraction that or uh, a path that can lead you to sin. And I think, honestly, clothing has a, does have a huge part of that. And I, there have been instances in my life where certain stuff I've worn has literally, literally pulled in demonic energy. Like, I'm not going to go into detail because it's a very personal thing that happened in my life. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence. Let me continue reading. In the Garden of Eden, man sinned and became inherently sinful. God, by his own immediate act, covered the body of both man and woman. Christian men and women help each other to maintain pure thoughts and actions by wearing attire that sufficiently covers. The purpose is to keep the opposite gender, which I wonder why, when did we start saying gender? But anyway, from seeing the parts of the body or clothing that stimulate the passions, it is the harlot that was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls and was full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Christian men and women who know the truth and respect it will not expose bare upper arms and le—excuse me and legs or wear sheer materials that show body lines with shadows that incite lust. They will also refrain from wearing tight or loose garments designed to emphasize the masculine or feminine parts of the body. Bright colors such as purple and scarlet will be refused. There goes the Republican Party because like a Republican Party always wears red. That's the color they wear and the Democrat is the blue. Anyway. Uh, let me continue. Women's dress lines, such as short skirts and sleeves, low necklines, tight waist, sheer hose, flesh-colored hose, slacks, and jeans will be refused because of their sensual signification and stimulation. The Christian, in a positive way, gives testimony to Christ by his attire. He will be always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. He can truthfully say, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. The purity of Jesus calls us to be like him. Our dress practice can show the purity of our character to others. Next chapter thing is called character and attire. A pure mind, I don't know how you say this word, chaste, chaste, C-H-A-S-T-E, body, and modest apparel belong together. You know a sloven by his dress when you see him. To dress in a way that incites purity, excuse me, indicates purity when the character is vile makes one a hypocrite, as does dressing like a harlot when one is pure. A hypocrite cannot live righteously. Character and attire are closely related. The Bible brings them together. In Isaiah 3, the women of Israel are said to dress wrongly and to have a bad character. God pronounced a curse upon them. Solomon said that the harlot is dressed like one and that her house is the way to hell. Paul says that a woman professing godliness should dress modestly. Peter says that modest hair arrangement, modest clothing, and no jewelry go with a meek and quiet spirit. Unless we are hypocrites, the kind of clothes we wear show what kind of characters we are. We often think of character when we see a person whom we do not know. Is that stranger we see a dandy? 
a harlot or a Christian? I don't know what the hell a dandy is. Let's see. Define dandy. Whoops, what the heck? What the heck? Taking an hour. I don't think it's... Uh, dandy is a man unduly devoted to style, neatness, and fashion and dress appearance. In appearance. Uh, hilarious. Like, that's so dandy. I guess that means neat and uh, devoted to fashion. And um, it's also an adjective and it means... It says North American informal means excellent. Things are all fine and dandy. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, anyway. Uh, is he proud or humble, negligent or careful, cleanly or slovenly, moderate or extreme? When persons, like some animals, can change appear excuse me, change appearance, appearance, with every change of surroundings, it shows their changeableness of character. Hold on, let me read that. When persons, like some animals, change appearance with every change of surroundings, it shows their changeableness of character. Is that good or bad? <laughs> it doesn't say. Who knows? Um, pride expressed in dress is a ruling sin in many hearts and is not confined to any one age or sex. And it shows pride in the person's character. Isn't that weird? They say sex here, not gender. Hmm. Anyway, the woman of bad character uses her clothing to attract the attention of men. She will wear bright colors, select large figured fabrics. I don't know what that means. Large figured fabrics. I guess that means like floppy clothing that gets your attention. I honestly don't know. Uh, don't know. Anyway, expose or emphasize her body by the fashion of her dress, all for her bad purpose, and other simple women will try to excel her. And I did first of all, I'm gonna butt in here and say this is so true. I'm a, I'm gonna outdo what they're wearing. Anyway, sinful men are wise to her and respond to her appeals to sin while she traps some innocent men, but the pure men who are informed will flee from her as from a snare. The woman of good character also uses her clothing, but for a different purpose. She tells by modest colors, small figures, and designs that cover her body that her character is pure, her spirit yielded to Christ, and her purpose good. Her attire speaks of her holy life and her obedience to Christ. By her attire, she speaks of what Christ, by his word and spirit, have wrought in her life, so winning men to Christ. Okay. Clothing reflects character. To some people, dress is their God. It has been proved many times that all men who become like the God they worship. It has been proved many times that all men become, okay, like the God they worship. The person who follows fashion becomes fickle and unstable. This is surely an unchristian quality of character. The effect of attire on conduct has recently been stated in this way. If you dress your boy like a bum, he will act like a bum. May we say, if we dress our children like dandies or harlots, they will act like dandies and harlots? If this is true, what a generation of sinners is being raised in America today. The semi-nudity of our time affects the character of today, producing fornicators, adulterers, and divorcees at an alarming rate. The Christian man will not find it too hot to wear his shirt and trousers, nor the Christian woman her full dress. They think more of their effect, of the effect their attire will have on their own and others' character uh, than of their immediate bodily comfort. So I'll start reading from that one and continue... Again, that one's called Christian Attire. And um, there isn't a website on these little pamphlets, but it is made by Rod and Staff Publishers Incorporated in, in Crockett, Kentucky. They have a telephone number, 606-522-5348. So I guess if you wanted to talk to them or something, you could probably do that. This pamphlet is called... Uh, let me just go on to this one because I have too much to read, honestly. <clears throat> The Gift of Fatherhood, 
building the domestic church series. I think this was put out by uh, some Catholic people, which is confusing because again, well, I don't know. I just thought that um, Amish people did one. Um, sorry, I'm getting text. I'm staring at. I thought Amish people only did like one religion, but um, I have no idea to be honest. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. All right, I guess I, I don't know. It's just it's written by who is this one by? Father Carter H. Griffin. Yeah, lift my head because my head hurts. My interest in fatherhood began about twenty years ago in the U.S. Navy before I entered the seminary. I was a young officer on a ship responsible for a number of men in my division. I had been well trained to deal with Navy tactics, regulations, communications, chain of command, and many other important things. But I wasn't nearly as prepared for what took well over half my time dealing with the personal problems of the guys in my division. It was remarkable what some of these well-intentioned men were doing. One bought a nine-year-old Mustang at 22% annual interest that we couldn't even make the first payment, let alone cover the whole loan. Another fellow had given a general power of attorney to a young lady he had met a week before deploying and came back with nothing, completely wiped out. There was so much confusion in their lives stemming from a lack of discipline and a failure to plan or set reasonable goals. It was clear to me that they had never really been shown how to be men by their fathers. And I saw up close and personal some of the effects of this crisis in fatherhood. At 22 years old, I was basically being a father to these men, some of whom were much older than I. To really help them, I needed to know not only their immediate actions, but also to understand their underlying problems. Obviously, what I experienced is not a universal phenomenon. There are many wonderful, holy, capable fathers who are generous and kind, but there are many who struggle with this vocation to fatherhood. This is called Three Focal Points for Fatherhood. In talking about fatherhood, I would like to make three basic points. The first, to identify the crisis. Let me just continue on, actually. Um, let us look first at the crisis, which can be summarized by how fatherhood is portrayed in our mass media. Several years ago, the New York Times columnist John Tierney wrote an article entitled The Doofus Dad, in which he traced in popular culture a common trope, the clueless, ineffective father. Citing shows like Jimmy Neutron, The Sopranos, Malcolm in the Middle, and Everybody Loves Raymond. He concluded that according to primetime depictions, today's fathers are oblivious, troubled, deranged, and generally incompetent. He cited a study by the National Fatherhood Initiative showing that fathers on national television are eight times more likely to be portrayed negatively as mothers in that medium. There's a popular animated show called The Amazing World of Gumball. Here's a description of that show's father character from the official website. Dad is a giant pink dummy rabbit. He spends most of his time at home watching TV and playing video games. As As Wikipedia describes, a father has a large appetite and is a voracious eater. He does not appear to have any degree of responsibility or intelligence. Think Homer Simpson, Homer Simpson, only less responsible. That, in a nutshell, is what people so often hear about fathers from movies, TV shows, commercials, and music. Contrast that to the good and strong fathers of the past and leave it to Beaver or the Andy Griffith show. This negative father image would probably be harmless if it were an isolated thing, but in our popular culture, it's far too common. And a steady diet of this will lead us to conclude that dads have become irrelevant at best and harmful at worst. Someone recently emailed me a list of uh, a church bullets and bloopers that was making the rounds on the internet. One of them read, ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. While that is a humorous misplacement of words, it certainly finds an echo in the cultural, uh, cultural understanding of fatherhood today. 
I would argue that this is aided and abetted by certain uses of a technology, such as, the, such as the very aggressive forms of reproductive technology, in vitro fertilization, cloning, and surrogate parenthood. <clears throat> of course, our long-standing abortion laws, in which a father has no say in the personal prenatal life of the child he helped conceive, have been perhaps the most powerful force of separating a man from his fatherhood. In all of these examples, the message is the same. Fathers are largely irrelevant. To get to the bottom of the problem, we need to find the source of, of the minimalistic understanding of fatherhood. I would argue that it is not an, a rejection of fatherhood per se. I think the problem of modern fatherhood rests in a more, gener, genera, more general rejection of authority that has taken place in the last 50 years. As authority figures, fathers have been under attack by a culture that is stuck in adolescence due in part to a culture that exalts the autonomous self. I saw a beautiful Father's Day card with the message, When I was a child, Dad, I thought you knew everything, and, I, and I, when I was a teenager, I thought you knew nothing. Now that I'm an adult, I realize you know quite a lot. We're kind of stuck in the middle stage. Dad, I think you know nothing. If that's where we are today, how do we get out of this situation? It is a fact of human psychology that if you repeat a message enough times, you tend to believe it. If you are told over and over again that you are worthless and not needed, then eventually you may begin to accept it. In the case of fathers, this message has become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think there has been, for various reasons, an increase in male narcissism, a lack of confidence, a depression, and anger, a feeling of being detached and discarded, and the result has been that many men have become the very thing that the popular culture has said they are. As with all issues involving psychology and social interaction, cause and effect are often difficult to identify. Yet this is a great irony in this downgrading of fatherhood, just as, just as we are being told how irrelevant fathers are, we are discovering in the social sciences just how vital a father is in family life. Never before have we had so, so much evidence of the importance of the role, dignity, and nobility of a father, and just how vital a figure he is in the welfare of his children. <clears throat> By any measure, children who grow up without an involved father start life at a distinct disadvantage and are correlated with negative results. We know many heroic examples of men and women who have overcome the circumstances of their upbringing. But whether you look at poverty rates, out-of-wedlock births, drug abuse, physical abuse, suicide, or any number of negative outcomes, not having a father in your life is one of the highest risk factors. I've heard a psychologist say that prisons are basically dormitories for fatherless men. The percentage of men in prison who have limited paternal influence is so high that it is impossible to ignore. Uh, da, 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 da. I thought that was really wonderful and it continues on and I'll stop reading from there. But, um, this one was put out by Knights of Columbus Catholic Information Service, which is kofc.org, uh, forward slash CIS. And I know the whole Knights thing is like, for me in my head, what I know is kind of interesting because I'm like, oh Lordy, it's Freemasons and... I, the whole Freemason thing is always fascinating to me, and um, I do think there's some validity to it being evil. Um, you know, people say that founding fathers were Freemasons, and they, they were evil in some way, and I guess it's just hard to wrap my head around and maybe accept that that being true. Uh, so I just don't know. I know that my grandfather was a Freemason, and I don't know. You know, it's uh, interesting and heavy stuff, I suppose. Um, so yeah, let's see. This one's put out, it's called, uh, Finding True Happiness by Fulton Sheen. Again, it's compliments of Knights of Columbus. Oh, excuse me. Oh, Lordy. Uh, this is the last one I'll read from, by the way. Finding perfect happiness. Are you perfectly happy or are you looking for happiness? 
there can be no doubt that at one time or another in your life, you attained that which you believed would make you happy. When you got what you wanted, were you happy? Do you remember when you were a child, how ardently you looked forward to Christmas? How happy you thought you would be with your fill of cakes, your hands glutted with toys, and your eyes dancing with the lights on the tree? Christmas came, and after you had eaten your fill, blown out the last Christmas candle, and played till your toys no longer amused, you climbed into your bed and said, in your own little heart of hearts, that somehow or other it did not quite come up to your expectations. And have you not lived that experience over a thousand times since? <clears throat> Maybe it was a desire to be well-known that you cra- that you craved. You did become well-known, only to find that reputation is like a ball. As soon as it starts rolling, men begin to kick it around. Ugh. The fact is, you want to be perfectly happy, but you are not. Your life has been a series of disappointments, shocks, and disillusionments. Have you, excuse me, how have you reacted to your, to your disappointments? Either you became cynical or else you became religious. If you became cynical, you blamed things rather than yourself. If you were married, you said, if I had another husband or another wife, I would be happy. Or you said, if I had another job or if I visited another nightclub or if I were in a, another city, I would be happy. In every instance, you made happiness in extrinsic to yourself. No wonder you are never happy. You are chasing mirages until death overtakes you. But cynicism does, did not work because in seeking pleasures, you miss the joys of life. Pleasure is of the body. Joy is of the mind and heart. Lobster Newberg, I have no idea who that is, by the way, gives pleasure to certain people, but not even the most avid lobster fans would ever say that it made them joyful. You can quickly become tired of pleasures, but you can never tire of joys. A pleasure can be increased to a point where it ceases to be a pleasure. It may even, it may even be, what? It may even being, What? It may even being to be a pain if carried beyond a certain point. But the joy of a good conscience or the joy of the first communion or the discovery of truth never turns to pain. Furthermore, if you notice that as your desire for pleasure increased, the satisfaction for the pleasure decreased. Do you think a philosophy of life is a right that is based in the law of diminishing returns? You think you're having a good time, but really... I'm sorry, but time really is the greatest obstacle in the world of happiness. Not only because it makes you pleasure... I can't read. I'm like tired or I don't even know. If I read for too much, I just wind up fumbling over the words. But So I won't read much longer. Not only be, uh, because it makes you take pleasures successfully. Um, also, it's very uh, obvious that I don't read out loud often. Anyway, but also because you are never really happy until you're con- unconscious of the passing of time. The more you look at the clock, the less happy you are. The more you enjoy yourself, the less conscious you are of the passing time. You say, time passed like everything else. Maybe therefore your happiness has something to do with the eternal. Why are you disappointed? Because of the tremendous disproportion between your desires and your realizations. Your soul has a certain infinity about it because it is spiritual. But your body, like the world about you, is material, limited, cabined, cribbed, and confined. You can imagine a mountain of gold, but you will never see one. In like manner, you will look forward to some earthly pleasure or position or state in life. Once you attain it, you begin to feel the tremendous disproportion between the ideal you imagine and the reality you possess. Disappointment follows. Every earthly ideal is lost by being possessed. For the more, excuse me, the more material your, your ideal, the greater the disappointment. The more spiritual it is, the less the disillusionment. I'm going to stop reading because I'm like, ugh, wordy, wordy. But, you know, I just found these. I knew these booklets were going to be amazing because, you know, I, like I said, I don't know much about the Amish, but I do know they have a very simple way of life. And I've always admired it. Well, the older I get, the more I definitely admired it. And the more I realize how much the 
internet and social media and all these apps are really destroying human connection. Like, uh, God, my sister got engaged recently. My other sister texted like, oh, you better get a pedicure. Like in the photo, because she obviously showed a photo of her hand and showing the, the rock on her hand. Um, <clears throat> you know, she's basically being like, get a pedicure. I'm sorry, a manicure before you post it to social media. And my sister was like, yep, I am today. And I'm like, who gives a shit, dude? Like, this only further solidifies that what people put on social media is not even reality. Like, you care more about what people think about you on social media that you'll, like, just go through that effort of, you weren't planning to get a manicure, but there you are going to get a manicure. Like, I'm just like, way to, like, dehumanize that moment and make it really fake. And I don't know, I was just like, that made me sick to my stomach and my mom definitely overpressured how much how important it is that people judge you by the way you look. And I don't know, a lot of my family is vain and I'm glad that I've had um, circumstances in my life that have really um, broken the spell of that. And like, I don't know, my husband had, had a great talk about it today, this morning and how, you know, my siblings probably obviously haven't had uh, circumstances happen where they were able to break that spell and stop caring about what, like, what other people think about them and how much they care about how they look. And I mean, obviously there's some level of you caring about how you look where, you know, you'll brush your hair or put some makeup on and whatever, get dressed up. But just, I, th I think you guys get what I'm saying. Just going through that effort of like, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, I don't mind people being, wanting to look pretty, but really it's like, I don't know, you know, I don't know. Anyway, um, I guess that's all for today. Um, I hope you guys are having a wonderful holiday season. I hope you have a blessed, healthy, safe Christmas day and a wonderful new year. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. You can support my podcast by heading to paypal.me forward slash LP foster kittens. LP is in my first initial, which is Lindsay L and then last name is Platotion, which is a P and then you can become a monthly subscriber. I'm a subscribestar.com forward slash subscribe. Wait, what? <laughs> Woo. Zone out there. Subscribestar.com forward slash distorted lens. Um, I know I was talking about previously that I wanted to change my podcast handle because my mom's like, oh, you know, you used to see life through distorted lens, but now that you don't, maybe you can see, you, you can make it a uh, clear lens. And I'm like, oh, Lordy. You know, I've thought about that, but it's so involved. I had to like change the name on Podbean, on social media, and my subscribe star name. And I don't know. I'm just, I'll just sit with it. Like it sounds fun. And I know it's, it's misleading and someone has, uh, taking it the wrong way and thought I was like a pro trans person on social media. And I was like, no, not at all, dude. Um, so it is what it is. And I, I don't know. I've never heard of anyone actually changing the title of their podcast. I know it's possible, but eh, I don't think it's a good idea. Anywho, thanks again for listening and supporting my work. Tell your friends about my podcast and link them to your friend and tell them, you know, just be like, Hey, listen to this or listen at 20 minute mark that she says this and you know just word of mouth is always a good idea too and my shop is still open i still have my skeptic pens available that i love and i know others love and i have my uh you know embroidery machine and whatnot set up now so i can make that stuff that's in the shop which is lindsayplatotianart.com and on the top bar it says shop i think it's also lindsayplatotianart.com forward slash shop anyway thank you guys and gals for listening and god bless y'all